listening to KBOO Portland. Hello, I'm Eugene Rashad. Join me every Saturday from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. for the best in jazz on your community radio station, KBOO 90.7 on your FM dial. But I dig, and I know you dig, because I got four requests for this thing already today. Strutting right away. That was KBOO volunteer disc jockey George Page. Page has been playing jazz and popular black music on KBOO for the past 12 years. What I do to the audience I draw, hopefully, is to please them with all types of black music. Mostly, what you can't hear as a rule on uh, larger black-oriented stations in L.A. or San Francisco. I play a lot of blues and a lot of jazz. All of it's black-oriented, but it's not the cuts you're going to hear on the other jazz shows. It's not the cuts you're going to hear on uh, other stations, because other stations just don't play jazz and blues in a black vein the way I do here. Well, hey, folks. Welcome to the Talking Earth for the third Monday of November. I'm Dan Raphael, your host, and it's all kind of chaotic as I am putting this show together all at once. And I found out I have a missing piece. So I first want to start off before I say anything else to apologize to Ash Good, who I know I'd recorded and I know I'd saved a file, but I can't find it and I'm out of deadline, so I gotta put this thing together and hopefully Ash will forgive me and come back and record because her set was really wonderful and I know I saved it but I can't find it. But yeah, a great way to start my my second year here at the Talking Earth, the country's second longest running audio poetry show. Thanks, hopefully not not regretting, to Earth founders Walt Curtis and Barbara Morticella, longtime engineer Patrick Brocard for letting me into the fold. So uh, filling in for Ash Good will be Armin Tolentino, who I taped back in May of uh, 21. Uh, the third person who was supposed to be on the show couldn't make it because of uh, personal important issues. And so I'll be filling in as the third person. And the one person who uh, was actually supposed to be here and still is is Josh Gaines. But we're going to start off with uh, Armin Tolentino. Armin grew up in New Jersey and received his MFA at Rutgers University in Newark. Uh, his poetry has appeared all over the place and elsewhere. He is currently the uh, Poet Laureate of Clark County, Washington. Yes, Clark County has a Poet Laureate, and we do not, but here's Armin. All right. Dan, thanks so much for having me uh, on the program. Uh, this is a new poem called Duty. I need to wash my worries. I have to fold my worries. I need to sort and store my worries where I can have them at the ready, where I can find when I need it most the worry that matches the moment. I have to mend the worries I've had so long they've worn through to gauze. I patch worries with old worries. I refuse to throw any away. Most, I don't even know how I got. Most, I am certain, draped my mother's shoulders first. My cherished ones were sewn by the fingers of my ancestors who had nothing else to leave their children for inheritance. I need to care for my worries. I'm filled with peace when I wrap my arms around a freshly cleaned heap of my worries and string them on a length of mourning to dry. One glittering moment that I am naked of worries. I love to see them breathe in the sun. Uh, writing during the pandemic has not been fruitful per se, but um, I've been I've been thinking through ways that I've been uh, processing this last year. Uh, this is one poem that really uh, was my best way of speaking to the moment, um, and it's it's based on articles I read about farmers who had to during the pandemic uh, slaughter their pigs because uh, the food supply chain couldn't 
couldn't actually sustain um, uh, processing animals. So we were just letting so much food go to waste while people were starving. Uh, so this poem tentatively is called The Only Humane Option. Because of two deaths at Tyson and 48 positives, because a meat packer hit a fever of 103, because no sick pay, because he slogged through the swing shift until he staggered breathless to the van, because they shut down the plant, because in six months a piglet gained 200 pounds, because the hogs are doubled up in pens, snapping at each other's flanks, no space to even turn around. Because to stunt their growth, we changed the feed to nothing but filler. But how long can you keep something barely alive? Because everything but the rats are going to starve. Because it's vile to our nature as farmers. Because in Danville, mountains of eggs ooze in the landfill. Because lagoons in Wisconsin are white with fresh milk. Because in Salinas, they tilled over acres of fist-sized strawberries. Because God called us to shepherd the animals. Because our parents trusted us to feed the world. Because supply chain means we pass the same bodies hand over hand in exchange for a couple of nickels to pocket. Because even a good year's margins are tight. Because this year is a vice snapping our ribcage and it's not even turned to its tightest. Because people are waiting an hour in food lines to bring home cans of pork and beans. Because a teen knocks on the door as they're closing the pantry to translate for his father. They were told the wrong time. Isn't there something left? They'll take anything. Because the council's been telling the farmers, if you just need to talk, please call this number. Because there aren't enough counselors to pick up the line after midnight when the calls are the heaviest. Because the automated message is a robot that says, you are not alone. And if this is an emergency, please hang up. Because all his life, he believed his guardian angel whispered the answers when he faced impossible choices. Because all he's heard for 60 days are squeals and sirens. The farmer gives his kids the day off and tells the eldest to keep her siblings away from the south field because it will take all day. Because he'll take the time to whisper in each pig's ear before he puts it down. Because there's nothing to learn from this He'll never tell his children. Because they're shaken by his silence, he'll tell them what he remembers. How the soil could only soak up so much blood, and by sundown, the grass was shaking with wasps. Uh, I want to read uh, for you all um, some poems um, in the the third section of my book, uh, We Meant to Bring It Home Alive. And it's sort of neat rereading these poems now because I wrote them at a time that was pre-COVID, of course, and, and I was writing about the idea of extinction and apocalypse. How extinction can be a very, um, maybe scientific look at destruction. An apocalypse can be a very divine, faith-based way of looking at it. And yet the end result is the same, just devastation. Um, and so I wrote a series of poems about uh, maybe just a, a secular modern-day thinker faced with the possibility of, of what apocalypse would look like if that were real. Um, and, and how do we grapple with the idea of, of perhaps a loving God that also has the capability and has perhaps proven uh, the will to destroy the world over and over and over. Um, this poem is called 
in Mission, Kansas, on the brink of the latest apocalypse. Can you forgive us tonight one last time for our dumb mutton habits as we while our final hours of this snake bit creation, same as our race has for 2,000 centuries, coveting our neighbors' slippers and bandsaw, working a graveyard shift on the Sabbath, at Quick Trip Gas off I-35, a dropout stuffed strawberry Pop-Tarts and Kotex and her hoodie's deep layer below her thieving heart. Can she too be forgiven? Or the cashier who sees and just doesn't care and sullies your name every time the chiefs play? How about the truck drivers trading amphetamines and astronomers on NPR mocking the end times who claim with their prying impertinent telescopes that if you built the sky, it was a slapdash operation beyond your control, that sinkholes of black gravity corrode as rust does the edges of everything you made. Can I be forgiven for filling my tank as if I still had 400 miles of road in my lifetime? Forgive my not knowing the act of contrition anymore, for wasting my last wish on molasses smoked brisket rather than salvation. Forgive God my glee as I drive toward the widest horizon I've seen, dawn like the drawbridge of the devil's jaw. Forgive my not stopping as morning unhinges my anticipation for burning stone, for ample fire. Uh, within this series of poems, I also have these uh, short poems called triolets. Triolets are a lot of fun to write. They're, they're eight lines with some repeating rhyme words, and I recommend people try them out. Um, because first and foremost, poetry should be fun to write. You know, I think about that. Uh, if you ever read uh, Dan Raphael's work, it's fun. Um, you know, you could tell even if it's serious topics, there's a lot of joy in the writing of it. So um, even when we write about heavy stuff, I think we should enjoy the play of the writing. Um, so this triolet, all the triolets in this uh, series uh, start with a, a line from a uh, different Bible line. So this is from Isaiah. Uh, the title is, Fear not, for I am with thee. Says the one whose pouch is packed with asteroids and whose fingers licked can pinch out the sun, who strikes dead your firstborn and sheep when annoyed with his salt shaker of locusts and asteroids. Fear not, but know he began with a void, and since the first Sabbath has mourned what he'd done, he watches while thumbing his worrystone asteroids etched with the names of your daughters and sons. Uh, this triolet uh, comes from the book of John. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. He sighs and steps forward, the only one. He kneels and packs the dirty snow into a comet. His hands grow numb with the ache of always being the only one. He folds in stars and iridium, so dense he's certain with just one blow he'll leave creation barren. No one left praying as the crater fills with snow. Uh, iridium is uh, not a common element on planet Earth, except for specifically this uh, strip of rock that we call the KT boundary. This is why we believe that uh, the extinction during the uh, end of the Mesozoic that killed off all the dinosaurs was from an asteroid. Because why is there so much iridium just in that layer uh, of the Earth? Um, Back to our uh, secular man trying to figure out uh, if, if God is going to destroy us all. 
Field of Bullets, Medicine Bow. $45 of regular unleaded. My gas tank is a graveyard on fire. Most every species that once drew breath is fossil now or oil. If I'm to die in this latest apocalypse, what would my body ignite? Whose escape could I fuel? Wyoming too is an unmarked grave and the wind shears off an inch each year to flash the bones of another failure felled by the hard hand of cataclysm. All my escape routes are paved on the backs of a billion extinctions. As the Cretaceous closed, did you gather your children in a field to graze while you scooped in your two open palms the width of continents, a handful of celestial stones to scatter like snowflakes upon their gaping mouths? Or did you close one eye and aim? And I'll finish up with this poem, uh, Complex Math, Teton County. Montana dusk is pyrite, is green dust, is heat. This haze fools my eyes to believe I can catch the Earth's edge with just a bit more speed. No rest. And this drive smears the mileposts into the white petal choke cherries that flank my exodus. If the planet's curve can be approximated by straight lines that mimic the arcs, how fast must I go to flatten the earth? I can't help but dare my car to test this geometry. Two millennia past, the circle obsessed Archimedes, driven to unravel pi, celestial number whose digits extend onward to the ceiling of heaven. His math, like my car, cutting nearer still to the unknowable. First approximation, hexagon, six sides for the imperfection of man. Second approximation, dodecagon, 12 stars in the crown of a mother whose womb is a fertile soil of endless war. Final approximation, a shape so close to circle it has no better name. But the old mathematician never tried to draw the 96 lines that edged closer and closer to the divine. The horizon of his knowing, still just his best guess. My speedometer bends so deep into red, it can finish its circle if I trespass the impossible, overtake the sunset. But another horizon still haunts me, the KT boundary, a snake of space dust uncoiled through all the canyons, iridescent scales of fireball ejecta, a reminder, quiet as a reptile digesting of what you are willing to do to us when provoked to wrath. And I, like Babel, reckless and trespassing, must make your fingers itch to grab the nearest stone to strike down my hands, sew my lips silent with the thread of silver iridium. Thanks, Armin. Uh Next, I'm going to read a couple poems from uh, The Opening of the Field by Robert Duncan. I just reread this book after a long time and, yeah, really dug it. The question, have you a gold cup dedicated to thought that is like clear water held in a flower? Or sheen of the gold burnished on wood to furnish fire glow, a burning in sight only? Color of gold, feel of gold, weight of gold, does the old alchemist speak in metaphor of a spiritual splendor, 
Or does he remember how that metal is malleable, chalice worked of gold at the altar, chasuble elaborated in gold? In Cusco, llamas of solid gold in the Inti Pampa, the sun's field with stars lighting rainbow moon round it, or impounded at Fort Knox? What wealth without show? When money at last moves a free medium, <coughs> using work as measure, justified to needs man's common nature needs, will there be riches for public pleasure? Will the good metal return to use, gold leaf to the house roof, our treasure above ground, sure glow for the eye to see? For though les malades imaginaires who puddle in their psyches to suck their own bones declare lucre is shit, God is to the artisan potent for beauty, and money remains the growing grass that can nourish the living sheep, real only as that manly trust we know as the field of accumulated good, the keep of justice, our labors, that the gold head of the wheat thrive for the common bread, work the old images from the hoard, el trabajo en oro, that gives wealth semblance and furnishes ground for the gods to flourish. Oh, have you a service of rich gold to illustrate the board of public goods, as in the old days, regalia of gold to show wherein the spirit had food? And uh, the structure of rhyme, 1x. The restless one came from the mountain. My spirit is like a reservoir that cannot draw up its knees. I crave the visible destroyers, lightning, the naked gods, the falling of buildings. You mean the fish that sends from the stench of its decay iridescences of green, lavender, pink, cerulean of its living scales? and from the white bars of its skeleton washed by the sea, bleached by the sun, everlasting tons resound in the everlasting image of the fish, fins and forked tails of the radiant. I mean the dark cold presence of the fish, alien blessing, a flashing of night within the night. For the mountain is below the lake, a language of clouds, a salvation that was once of water, now the wind comes shaking the windows, driving furies of rain to strip the trees, the down-rushing torrents, the descending ladders. What do I know of the fish that is my protector? My spirit is like a mountain deprived of the sky. I worry the showing forth by day, craving truth to break from obscurity the old scales, the stars of my crown. And that's Robert Duncan from The Opening of the Field. If you don't know that book, you should check it out. And now, as originally scheduled, we have Josh Gaines. Uh, Josh ditched a promising military career to write books, run a profitless press, and build with his daughter. He earned his writing MFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and has had fiction published in Two Cities Review, the viable series from Zoetic Press, and in London's Dark Mountain. His poetry appears in numerous anthologies and journals, as well as his own books of poetry and flash fiction, Cigarette Sonatas, and Little Bones from Thought Crime Press. Here's poetry and prose from Josh Gaines. So I'm going to start reading uh, an old one. Uh, I've kind of like taken a chunk of things from over the past few years to, to do because there's a lot of things that... I don't really get to read, or I, I guess I just don't read anymore. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to now, and I'm kind of excited about revisiting some of these. So this one is uh, called Music in Winter. I turned on our stereo, you grabbed coats. A lead summer had ended and our spirits lifted. Billie Holiday sang to December, ushering in the cold that fell in blankets of silence, filling in the ebb and flow of crickets with waves of snow. Breeze reminded us of campfires and grandparents as children gathered before stone fireplaces and fathers had the chance to feel like men in their own homes wielding the power of fire before the admiring eyes of daughters and jealous eyes of sons. Our stereo played Baby It's Cold Outside, a song about getting a girl drunk enough to stay the night despite incessant protests. Our stereo played Glenn Miller and Moon River while outside the moon two days from full traded light with snow, back and forth till night was a blue day. 
We laid on the still warm hood of our 95 Saturn in heavy coats and warm moon glasses, wishing for a tan but settling for holding hands. Inside the stereo played winter wonderland. We breathed in the clarity hidden in our breath's ice vapor and shivered against what we knew had to end but didn't want to leave. Despite frostbite fears and leafless trees who have learned better than to remain exposed to such cold. All right, that's that's one. Um, got a few more. Um, there's this. Uh, I, I was in the Air Force for a while, and um, during that time, I, I lived uh, at least for a year there down on the uh, Florida Gulf Coast, and I ended up with these Gulf Coasty poems. So uh, here's a couple of those. Um, I also my grandparents lived in Biloxi, Mississippi, so I spent every summer there as a kid. Um, so this one kind of comes out of that. It's called Passing Bloodlines. Bad idea, you'd said. Gulf of Mexico to your knees. Blue crab under my foot. I ignored you, said. You can go on without me and reached unblemished beneath the water for the safe back flippers. The crooked smile scar across my hand precedes every decision I now make without pause. I feel it there, measured by winces, glances away from my pink-white wax melt line, a proud ornamental ruin. Was it pride in your laugh when I tore my failed hand from the water, the claw in deep, flinging salt and blood, your smile a relief beneath multiple scars across your own crooked nose? As if in failing to protect me, you knew we'd survive. Now I can go, you said and were, for the first time in my life, no one but yourself. So this is uh, about me and a buddy of mine in, uh, in the Air Force. We had an adventure, and most of this, we, we, went, we went crabbing, um, and I guess we caught it like right at the right time when the tide was going out and we were just pulling up these little crab baskets like four crabs in each one like one after another after another and that was the impetus for this so a balance for Mike we caught 88 crabs in 50 minutes at tide going out we brought them up by threes like it was personal and I can't remember why we stopped maybe we shed enough gulf blood for one sunset maybe it was a matter of weight when I stumbled, dropped the cooler, stood sore and wheezing, you marched back and lifted it into your car like it was empty. At your home, we boiled them by batches and drank the best beer we could find at a 7-Eleven in Florida on a Sunday. By nightfall, the last dozen boiled while our fingers ached, ragged from fighting chitinous shells that broke against our patients, allowing us access to the softest parts. By midnight's aging side, wives asleep on the couch, felines purring dandruff at our ankles, and the beer gone, we'd open wine tagged for sangria, and we drank it anyway. What about 5 a.m., you asked? You asked these things sometimes, but rarely meant them. We'd be up no earlier than we needed. This came before children, when time was ours, before Alaska and the trading of wings. Patience and four pounds of crab meat waited between us. When we were done and done and done, you offered a silent toast, an empty glass full of good reasons for the things we do. I tried to lift my glass to yours. When it wouldn't move, I said I hadn't trained for this. You shrugged, tossed yours back, left the table, and I remained seated while you cleaned, tapped my watch for dreaming, stared into that immovable glass, and marveled at your strength. So I also write a lot of, uh, at least recently, I've been writing a lot of short stories. And this isn't a short story. This is sort of this hybrid story poem. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm going to read that for you. It's called This Was a Story. And it has sound effects. <laughs> um, beep, 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 beep. Deadpan staring into every home in America, the AM hiss and scratch voice cutting through in broken syllables. The side of the TV is slapped. The radio knob is tapped, barely, in and out the words, but the beep never stops. 
never stops, always comes through, cuts through. A church bell of a foghorn, if space was fog, that in the one name he says it, like spitting, reverently, Sputnik. The Ivy Leaguer's doomsday clock begins at 11.01 and ticks on. To their dismay, moves one second with each beep until a new system is devised a few minutes before the clock doom chimes midnight. Moving backward or forward in time, the clock waits. Somewhere a burning cloud of towering implosion leaves bare another piece of trusting earth. Somewhere a dog is fitted for a spacesuit. Somewhere a vice president looks the enemy dead in the hat saying something like, you may be in space, but we have color TV. On TV, the equality of those accomplishments don't play out, or like a witch hunt, play out all wrong. Somewhere a, a playwright is hunted down. American rockets fly more down than into the sky. The clock ticks, the satellite beeps, the suit fits, the dog barks. Yuri waits. The clock wonders, who to scapegoat for these failures? The fear wonders. How much power to give a senator? She licks the condensating glass, licks, loving her shrinking planet. Did she miss her owners more than her world? For the first time, two aware objects reflect sun, circling, always circling the life of a newly discovered species, Terra Satellitis. The other, the moon, rolls her dark side eye, content in her most peaceful way to observe, to orbit, watching the new, wondering, was such a creature made for this? Did her tail wag when she saw the sun as she became hungry? Were her whines the first living sound in all that empty everything? In the dog's mind, the boy that slipped her table scraps, the man's farming fingers rough but gently rubbing behind her ears, his son, the boy who ran with her through the fields of hand-cultivated wheat where no machine was ever heard, where the smell of the air was cold in rain and manure, soil, bread, green, the boy, the man, steam and soup and the boy in woven wool blankets or the pillows filled with goose down where the boy slept, where she'd lie when no one paid attention how she never tired of any of these pleasures, how she'd never heard or never remembered hearing words like sacrifice, propaganda, space race, Khrushchev. Look, look, she yells, and inside, inside, understanding herself as outside, even cramped and surrounded by hisses, beeping the scent of burning circuits, grease, glass, her own sad filth, the rising death of the heat of the sun. The camera eye watches the farm dog, not because she matters. Her image pulses across the world below this doomed dog in space. No, a living, breathing dog in space, a dog named Laika. Here, girl, her eyes open. America sleep wakes from a dream where America drove the axis of the world and the axis from the world, finds herself in a nightmare. She ducks when she sees anything flying her way. She covers her eyes with heavy Sunday news. Her consciousness filters down to her citizen cells through her radio wave thoughts, again with the beeping, again with the how did Khrushchev put it? We will bury you, again with the ticking. Out of her sight, a breaking Germany is stitched apart. Barbed wire and hate-thick concrete turn out to be only a symptom of the walls being built. In the heavens, a beep, a bark. A man who doesn't speak our language comes back to the people and confirms Lenin's suspicions that there are no gods in the sky except the ones we put there. How hated he is for thinking this. Godless people fearless, undamnable people, inferior, and how did they get ahead of us in this race, people? Again, godless. Didn't he know who kept him alive in that bright blackness? What was the fool thinking? And what did he really see? And was he looking at my country, my street, my house, my family, my me? Was he looking at me? We better shutter our windows invent privacy fences, buy canned beans. I wonder what we all looked like. Was ever a stronger statement made than this? Without firing a shot, the battle ends. The red flag, hammer, sickle, unfurling, and solar wind staticking home in and out. The TV, the radio, the message from above our heads, we're here and we see you, tick. Yet for the man, 
more human than propaganda suggests, something else takes place. Where we see a devil, he sees ocean. Where they see a hero, he sees the grassy steps reaching across Soviet Russia. We see endless space and fear and possibility. He sees a perfect blue planet. Eventually, 1958 sends a rocket tipped by the stars and stripes, charging through the atmosphere and into space, changing but only changing the rules of the race. People still shiver when a plane flies overhead, still build concrete bunkers, as if a simple walk on the moon could prevent a nuclear war, tick. Look, says the announcer, up in the sky, it's a bird, beep, a rocket, beep, a metal sphere, beep, a dog, beep, a man, beep, 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 beep. Houston, we have a confession. All this ever was, was a story about a boy who lost his dog so that a war could never occur. A story about a boy and his dog who were separated by fear, who both died alone. A story about a boy who for years stood in his father's fields looking for his dog and the stars. All this ever was, was a story about a dog who would have gone beyond the ends of the earth to find her way back home. All this ever was, was a story about how we wake up in the morning and fear the unknown. All this ever was, was a suggestion that perhaps the last truly meaningful thing that came across the airwaves was the whining of a dog. All this ever was, was a reminder that anything can sound terrifying if you tell it to us far enough above our heads. All this ever was, was a story about a robot, a dog and a man who walk into a bar with fake IDs, beep, work. And yet, they say, each has a fascinating story with the same hilarious ending. All this ever was, was a story about a robot, a dog, and a man who walk into a bar and sit across from one another. And when they speak, everyone on earth can hear them. But no matter how loud they scream, they can never hear each other. All right. So... All right, so that's that one. And uh, let's see, I've got time for one more. Here's a, uh, this is um, a Chicago city poem. And uh, I lived in Chicago for a couple years and like everybody who's ever lived in Chicago, um, absolutely fell in love with many things about it, um, including its problems. And this is one of those, it's called Bus Money. Still talking on my phone, I thanked the man with a nod and stepped off the bus, but before that he gathered scattered dollars from the floor, straightened them and handed them to me, but before that as I removed my ringing smartphone, a number of loose small bills fell from my pocket and onto the bus floor, but before that my phone started ringing in my pocket and I said, excuse me, I have to take this to the man, but before that he started talking to me, going on and on about how unfair the world is and so on. I agreed with him and added how broke I've been lately, but before that I told him I don't have any. I'm sorry, I don't even use cash anymore, just credit cards, and it feels more like they use me than the other way around, and we chuckled, but before that the man asked me if I had any loose change or small bills. Is this sister had just passed away and he was trying to get enough together to go to a funeral in the Carolinas somewhere but before that a man approached me from the back of the bus he looked old but had the voice of a young man his too big suit hung ragged from his shoulders but before that I watched a bum dressed in old army fatigues wincing limping quickly towards the bus the driver didn't seem to notice him or figured he'd catch the next bus and drove on but before that I hopped onto the bus the driver I had flagged down had waited for me to walk carefully across the street from Starbucks but before that I put three sugar in the raws into my venti soy latte and even 
even though I saw the bus coming, I made sure the sugars had all dissolved, but before that I waited at the counter, chatting with the cute green apron barista about how she hated her job some days, but before that I broke a $10 bill, paying for my $6 drink, and dropped a one into the tip jar for the barista, who looked like she was having a hard day, but before that, using my phone, I checked my bank account to be sure the gift check from my retired parents had cleared and looking back I still can't figure out why I feel so guilty for not asking the driver to wait for the man I saw with the pained face with his arm out and finger raised limping pointlessly towards that bus well thank you Josh and now as we continue with See at the Pants Radio, uh, our third featured poet, I'm trying to keep track of time here, uh, is uh, Dan Raphael. I mean, it wasn't originally scheduled, something came up, and here I am. I do have a new book coming out, probably be out by the end of the year, and it's called In the Word Shed. It's my 26th book. If you know me, you love I, the, I love the number 26. So here are some poems from it, beginning with the first one from the book. Resilience is fertile. I prefer an indirectory. How not to get here, patiently undefining, stubbornly indefinite, feats of towering, unstructured, my regional flexicon, like I know the sway, raging against average, making the mean relax and smile, dehomogenizing. How do you flavor, mixing what grows here with what I'm carrying, yeast from all directions, breaking down to break through, digging a hole, spirals in time and elevation? It's wise to rise. These warehouse clouds, between their linings, acres of filtered outs and sprouts, trimming and skimming till brimming, emphasizing development, the tension, before the afterthought, a continuous taste, seldom fashionable, often seasonable, no reason for reason. Cause resilience is fertile, imbued to bursting without breaking, so much a skin can hold on its surface, waiting for the next wall or rivulet where air and water co-fervesce. No need to separate the crystals from the solution. Curling is just one way, engage, marry, ferment, or proliferate. No need to be you or else. The world is our kitchen, our cellar, roofs but not ceilings, see-through floors and walls ready to open anywhere. No fence. We get our strategy from the sky. There's grounds for everything, what all roots lead to, routing the static strata in all its shapes and interminglings as parallels meet and co-branch, always some blossoming, some seeding, where minerals talk to trees, message birds, translating insects in a fueling skein of imagos, larvae, what comes in isn't who comes out. When a window is a mirror, a vertical pond, I will never be that still, that opaque and monothermal, rushing to read what the rain tells the street before a wet crowd instills a sheening wash, intones an ohm and no language, not enough space for melody or chords, whether bodied or not, crawling or flying. I evaporate before entering, carry no water but know every language for thirst. Hunger seldom leaves my eyes. Term I came across in the food review, locovore. Beef in my blood, spider skin in my hair. My lungs require several catalogs, never enough elevators. Is my skin more noodle or rice? So many shapes and colors blending in the distance as my constant muttering monologue is mistaken for an approaching bus no one can see. For the first few weeks after conception, gravity didn't recognize me, so we've never been close. Later, I tried tra-racing the moon to the western horizon, but at the stop at the ocean, I'd forgot that kind of walking. For years, I stayed on aisle five, <coughs> then came that growth spurt, a merger, a buyout, a revolutionary process, so improved no one wanted any, never had it before. 
as each morning there's fresh underwear on my desk, my shoes seldom where I left them. Will breakfast be from a book, the radio, or an open window? The 8 a.m. fighter jet is low and off-key. So many school buses, the geese keep migrating here. Draw Dogs drawn by how the wind whistles through my ribs. Not fruit flies, but winged salt crystals. The tattered crow assigned to my wires. Clouds in my lenses, but not the sky. Getting quick enough to embroider, but what thread? Needle, stitch, where visibility is clashing. When this glass can't hold it any longer and overflows. Nights there's no leftovers to put back in the fridge. The pantry can barely contain itself. The stove thinks it must be Sunday. Somehow an eighth day for laundry and restoring the furniture. Most walls don't want to be touched. If I change my skin as often as I painted my house, a world where there's little difference between roofers and barbers, a lottery where winners get a million dollars but have to leave the country immediately and no arguing with this passport identity is legacy. No one here can say my name right. This next one's title is a quote. You've been making the wrong mistakes, Thelonious Monk. <clears throat> Got a moon in my pocket, not sure which one. Maybe Demos, maybe Pan, lighting up a night I'll never get to, exhausted by co corners, uncontrollable intersections. This city's scalp parted so many ways, fashion falls flat when the wind skips down. Not gravity holding everything, but inertia, lack of agency, agility, tripping over time, scratching boredom's abrasions, internal cliffs and cliffs, more lines than structure, strut cure. When the door unlocks, but the window's stubborn, boxcars at my feet, reconstruction in my future, a double-digit cord revelating the ambiance, the way no smoking clipped lights in lower palate. Can't wait for hearts to align, for lungs to agree on what to filter, what to tithe, how anything can be held too long. Its value, its integrity, a slow bus of nuance, the express train of wow, as many folds as possible, a festival of doorways, atomizing direction and definition, bottles go by on bicycles without friction, it's all slide, when walls are allowed to choose, denying our freedom to vague and shrug. Everything I cook has a little ash in it, from paper, herb, or desiccated phrase, Start at the middle and send out questions. Bait, one bar of melody. Steps that go neither up nor down. A panorama, 95% obstructed. Sun and clouded so long as throat's too dry to even whisper. What can I turn on to make things darker? A chess-like game where one side has lights, the other has columns and mirrors. By the time I could see, I'd forgotten where I was, walking the backbeat, dancing beyond measure. Start with iron instead of wood, from swamp to smelter, gleaming without fire, a sky without light, a street without a city, diaphanous complexity, when every device needs to be in charge but no outlets, input swelling the window panes. My uncorrected eyes find letters in asphalt between trees, the calligraphy of neglected furniture, when everything's played and nothing works. I take off my hat, but soon there's another one there. I'm not clothed, but laminated. My doctor says the pearl in me must be removed, and no, I can't have it back. No matter which way you... I live to look at the lake. Want to wend with the wind, I've come to calm the climate. Win or wine when wanting, lose and lay as lustless. Employ play as planned plunder. I'm sick of slick silk, stale stylish stools, brothers breathing butter. Alternative nature of knotted nuts, the rules of rolling reality, cats can't contain catastrophe. A destiny of dysentery and dust, fate's futile freight frightens me. To die delightfully, engage eagles, honk at hawks, chasing cheese with chisels. 
fish focused on the floor. Outside, oxygen ossifies. Interior antlers attune. Our hour of error and ire. Rain in, rains, ruinous rules. Feel flies falling from flight. Humidity humbling harmony. When weapons weep and whips whisper. Limber lambs lament. Insane sons sing the sensible. Rivers never reverse. The tide's to-do list. Moons mean manifestation. I dance in dense dunes, celebrating elaborate deliberation. Free far from fury. Let light linger. So close. Just a slight difference in chemistry, in reaction, a glitch in fiction, a very specific and concentrated win five seconds sooner or later. Where could it have fallen from? Been doing this for years and never. An island in the bloodstream, a memory I'd never remembered before, or had I just watched it from some distant monitor, a couple minutes of black and white, ink so fresh, cabbage so aggressive. A realization that window or mirror or screen like reversing a soup, putting the locks back on heat, what the tongue's been holding all these years pressed into expression, more than one other way to look. How my eyes work up an appetite, ears fasting silence, designing clothes that hover, not touching flesh. Wind doesn't want all these loose things slowing it down. There's more to intuition than guessing right, a feel beyond tactile, odor that's mildly reflective, a shimmering hum, a 40-pound shout, walking like each leg had two knees, not a spine for slivering or bones for flight, upside-down pull-ups, how a navel becomes a torso, more traffic than stars in the sea, what air unsullied by oxygen and exhaust tastes like, when all there was to eat was condiments, water with suggestions, as we are mostly water, as a planet cannot shake our infection fast enough, husks and locusts are ironically mutating electromagnetic virus. But I'm still watching when I sleep. The meter reports I'm not wasting enough energy. A shadow of consuming. Production is debit. From complaint to compliant. Rage against the lying of the lights. Electricity was in the earth. All these eons waiting for us. Something sent the meteor to kill the giant ferns, to make gasoline, to help the earth ripen. As ants farm aphids, the artistic curlicue mazes eaten into dead wood. Is that honeydew, hard cider, or synthetic 40 weight leisurely spreading from the horizon to here? And I'll close the set with a... one more poem that is sort of exemplary of how some of the poems in the book have a sort of theme or motif that they quickly escape from. Time has come. Sun, moon, toast, wind, thirst, fried food, satiety. Harvest moon, hunter's moon, ice moon. Hide your ten-year-old moon, naked in the stream moon. Weeks have no names. No ranking save the first or last week of the quarter or school. Payday's been dethroned by direct deposit as hours have been replaced with salary, a lump of as much time as the mosquito can inhale. That time of month pharmaceutically neutered, like mood swings, as no one wants to push or be liable if you go too far. Fish declining because of birth control in the water. How dilute antidepressants decrease competition for mates. I point to my wrist to ask what time it is, and they don't know what I mean. Time of the season, time of our lives, time to get the hell out of here. Seize the moment, a split-second finish, particles that exist for one trillionth of a heartbeat. What seems an asteroid is indecipherable machinery built around dinosaur time. At work, we budget sick hours, paid leave. At home, we force ourselves to take an hour without looking at the list of tasks, short and long range, what must be done daily, monthly, once a year. I don't know the last time that was clean. To the garage, it seems like yesterday. Controlling another's time, measuring efficiency, 32 billable hours in a good day, 
late and early, so complex with cultural expectations and references, sundials when the moon is in the seventh house. I think this whole day is retrograde. You pick the worst time to tell me that. Somewhere classified, a cesium atom develops a sense of humor, and all the clocks are a picosecond askew. Even one day per four years isn't enough to keep our solar path true to calendar without factoring in the relativisms of our constantly moving system. The sun, a slow comet, with us debris in its tail. Until the 80s, clocks in Saudi Arabia were set to midnight each sunset, which had a precise definition. North Korea created its own time zone. A border city defies the rest of its state to align with commerce an hour earlier. Up with the sun, meet you when our, our shadows are underfoot. Crossing oceans, you needed a clock to safely determine your longitude. Travel fast enough, and you can return before you leave. Science guesses. Those who do so are deemed insane if they can't shut up. Does anybody know what time it really is? Time-stained hands won't wash out. I haven't got time for that. Time in a bottle, the time of our lives, in due time, patience, compounding interest, out of time, terminal. Time stands still and refuses to sit or stop shaking. Time emits. Timey up time. To invest my energy, transient images manifesting everything, thermal imbalance means evaporation, two eyes merging energetically. Time is mutually exclusive. Yeah, those poems are all from my uh, soon to be new book uh, from Last Word Press called uh, In the Word Shed, working on the language. And let's see. Now let's. Uh, I think we got time to hear from Floridor. These poems are from uh, Flora Durham's chapbook, Baby Lady, and she's the main character of the poem, called sometimes BL for short. Into the seam of her coat. Everywhere she went, BL carried the little child, but it didn't ease her work by try holding tightly to her. It became a dead weight, and if she put it down, it ran away and hid. I know there were those who wanted to take the child away from her. She could not understand why she was singled out. One day, when she was especially disheartened, she sat on the curb, toying with the black yarn and tassel woven into the seam of her coat. She knew then that they would marked her as the traveler she was. She removed her coat and began tugging the black yarn from it with sad and petulant jerks when a dark man approached her, dressed in an identical coat, the same black yarn and tassel, how disappointed he was to see her blaspheme her heritage. Don't be afraid of diaspora, he said kindly. You must make your home inside your heart. But where will my child live? Where will it sleep tonight? What child, he asked. And the child could not be found anywhere, up or down the street. His guts and his heartland. One afternoon, she and her man got into some serious fucking. It was pretty good. But it seemed strange how the bed had disappeared and they were suddenly going at it on a moss-softened ledge far above tumbling water. Above them, the sky was a bowl of immaculate and unmeasurable blue. The man's face loomed above her, the corolla of his unkempt hair dressed in sun-dazzle. She could hear the yelp of little animals tussling and hungry and the rustle of range grass and the wind gently nudging at branches and sand. And she knew then that she was inside him, and the landscape and terrains were as familiar as her own. She was inside his guts and his heartland. But she felt they were denuded of more than her clothing. She now saw his white and gleaming skull, and poor helpless grinning teeth, and the crinkling articulation of his toes, and the length of his femur, as if they'd been dug from a cairn one thousand years later. Or perhaps they were only the remains of others they didn't even know. It was a little better when she came, though she was careful not to ask him why he stayed so sad, even after their skins had returned to their bodies. And that's Flora Durham. I'm Dan Raphael. Thanks to everyone who's listened to this. Again, apologies to Ashgood. Hopefully you'll be able to hear her next, or two months ago, when I have my next show. Thanks to Josh Gaines, who was on time. Thanks to Armin Tolentino, uh, whose work I reused, and I'm sh sure it's okay with him. 
Again, uh, this is Kebu from Dan Raphael's Poetry. I keep saying, you know, we need more poetry venues. I want to thank uh, Mike G., uh, who hosted the uh, Tony's Last Stand at the Wildwood, who is one of the hosts of that uh, ongoing open mic series, part of a, yeah, in, in the heritage of an open mic series that began in the mid-70s here in, uh, in Portland at the Long Goodbye. Was it the Mediterranean? Was it Cafe Lena? Again, people uh, come down to the open mic, you know, share. There's an existing community of people who've been there a long time and uh, always welcome to new people. So uh, thanks again to K-Brew, all who support it. I'm Dan Raphael. You have a good time. Enjoy the language. KBOO Portland. This is KBOO Portland, community radio for the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned at midnight for self help radio. Right now, it's the bedtime.